self-published author. I am. I am Darren Murphy. Three books? Oh, three books. The See, latest of which I'm most proud of. Yeah. This, this, is, this, is, uh, this is like you. This is you, the book. This is me, the book. So do you want to talk about the book? Can we go to there? Can we go there? You want to delay it? Do you want to not talk about it at all? How meta do you want to get? <laughs> I, so I'll tell you, the, uh, the, the reason I wrote this book, yeah. it's called Living the Remote Dream, if you're interested. Uh, if you search for it on Amazon, the only other thing that comes up are how-to guides on psychic. Uh, oh. Yeah. So if you, want, if you see a book about psychics, I did not write that. But buy them both. But you could buy them both. Cart. Because what it's going to say at the bottom of my book, it says, people who bought this book also bought yeah, yeah, yeah. this book about psychics. Oh. Accid- like they so accidentally bought they this accidentally book about bought that. Right, right. So what happened was after I left Engadget in fall of 13, my wife said that was – I was just riding shotgun. This is my wife. Yeah. I was riding shotgun, and, that, and even that was the craziest ride of all time. Like almost eight years of just total insanity every day. I lived that job. That job was me. It was complete insanity. And she said, now that you're out of it, for a second you should write down as much of it as you remember because in 5, 10, 15 years you probably won't remember the nuances of it I had a similar but but from a purely like pragmatic standpoint I had a similar impulse which was just um, it it was different than yours because I knew that I'm going to keep doing this so I'm literally going to have to write stuff down on paper. Sure. Because I know that whatever team I'm going to go to, and I, you know, I've been a few places and freelance a few places, and now I'm sort of building a team right now, I knew that I was going to have to sit down one day and say, this is how you make a watermark. Yep. This is the most uninteresting of the world. But yes. like, this, is, this is how you run a website. Yeah. Because it was such a fine-tuned machine. Yeah, totally. And uh, it's amazing now living beyond it how fine-tuned it was like we lived in it to the point where we actually were upset that it wasn't even more fine-tuned <laughs> yeah uh but in fact we were sort of in the one percent of fine tunage yeah uh, looking back on it. but yeah so i i i started to put together i put together the book uh, some of the most fond memories i had some of the fun times i had and as I was writing it, my so it intention... Start, it started as a memoir. It almost. started as a memoir. Yeah. And I was going to totally do it just for me, my wife, my family, totally internal purposes. And then about midway through it, I, I, it started evolving into... I was telling people how I did some yeah. things. Just because it felt a bit strange to say, I did this. And then when I read it back, I thought, no one's going to understand that wasn't in this mode. They aren't yeah. going to under... So I started to explain a few things. And then I started to think... People might find this useful. Maybe I can talk more about some of the ways I did things and make this book half autobiography, half how-to guide to get people to live more freely, consider remote work, consider the careers that involve remote work, get out of the office, go be free somewhere, still work hard, but, but to do it more on your own terms. And I've, I've, that's always been a passion of mine. I've done it for a long time. And I felt that was the best way to get this book to be important to more than just yeah. myself and my wife. And that's what it turned into. To, to, give, to give people some context of like you, um, there's a picture. There, there, uh, we, we took a couple of group, group photos. Um, a lot of them came from our first retreat. Yeah, that was an amazing time. Um, and there's a picture of you sitting at a computer and a bunch of us standing around yeah, you. Yeah, I love that. I love and that. the reason why that picture exists is because, you know, this was like, 
This was like, I think our, probably our first time together as a yeah, team after like, and for, for the people who don't know the history of Engadget, um, 75% of the staff left and formed a new and very successful yep. tech site. That's uh, right. And so we were all just sort of starting fresh and it was, it was such a weird, you know, cause I had had experience. I'd been a couple places before, right. but this idea of not only starting at a new place, but st- starting there, having a built in audience of millions of people who, a lot of them just wanted you to fail. Yeah. Because you were sort of like a scab. Yes. And what that picture is, is you demonstrating how to hit a news story. That's right. In under five minutes. That's right. Because you were like the <laughs> platonic <laughs> ideal of how to hit a, a web post. Right. So I, I, have a, I don't talk about this much. But I have a Guinness World Record, and yeah. effectively, well, it's all on the back of the book. It is, it's briefly on that. the back. It's briefly on the back, and it's the Guinness World Record is effectively at being incredibly efficient and prolific at writing. Like seventeen thousand was that the number? Seventeen thousand yeah. in four years. Yeah. That's right. And so, in my view at the time, to make Engadget viable and continue to be viable, everybody needed to know how to be fast mm-hmm. and efficient, and yeah. get rid of the distractions, cut to the core, get the work done. Be the best you can be, all of that. And so, yeah, at the retreat, we got everybody around me, just watched me do this thing. It, there was no better way to learn than just watch and learn. Yeah. And that's true for a lot of things in life. And that was, that was a, an amazing moment. That's a crystallized moment for me. Um, that, that's really when the team bonded in a way that we had to. If we didn't, we would have never put up yeah. with the insanity that ensued to, to try to run a global publication the expectations of the readership to produce massive amounts of high-quality content 24-7, relentlessly, yeah. with almost thanklessly, it's a pressure that few people can understand. If you, if you haven't lived in an environment like that, it's pretty tough. I mean, look, if you're a surgeon and do an open-heart yeah, ER surgery, are people, then there are lives at risk. That is, that's correct. Yeah. But uh, I'm not, I haven't done that. And so for me, that was as high pressure as it got. Yeah. And it mattered to everybody. I think what was amazing about that, that run was just how much it mattered for everyone to lift everyone else up. Yeah. It, it, was, uh, it was basically a sin of epic proportions to be the weak link. And it's like we didn't have to preach that. It was just no one wanted to be the weakest. You know what's, you know what's sort of weird to me in, in, in hindsight, you know, now, that, now that I'm out of it, is that we had this – it's so weird to say, but we had this picture of ourselves as being these sort of like – plucky underdogs oh totally but totally <laughs> we had a you know we had a massive multi-billion corporation we dollar did. corporation behind us we in did. a sense and you know we had a big staff and it's it i can't really i can't I, you know when I, i'm trying to explain I, if i try to explain to somebody i can't reconcile that at all it doesn't doesn't really make any sense i don't know how 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 were you how were you guys able to cultivate that i mean i guess part of it was that you know tim who, who was running the site who was yeah. on an early episode of this show um was a kind of like a roaming car editor who had yeah. some coding experience. Yeah, yeah. And what it came down to was Tim and I decided to stay in rebuilding Gadget uh, instead of leave and join The Verge. That's really what it boiled down to. And it was, it was at the time the toughest decision I've ever had to make. And the reason I stayed was I placed such an affinity on the Engadget brand for fundamentally changing my life. Yeah. It, it removed my... It gave me the ability to not work in an office every day and, and to do something I was passionate about to inform and entertain people. And this, to some degree, sounds idealistic, but 
it's what it's what I was built for. It's what mm. I was made for. And when yeah. you find that, it matters a lot to you, and oftentimes more to you than other people. And we both felt that. And we said, if we can find enough people that also feel that way about the work that we're doing, we can build something. We can rebuild something and, and make it fundamentally strong. And honestly, that was the key thing when we looked at people to hire was we just told people straight up, we're going through an insanely intense, rough period yeah. right now. Um, yeah. it, is, it is extremely cutthroat. There will be no thank yous for the foreseeable future. We have to do this. You are joining the team already in crisis mode. If this bothers you at all, a don't join. A lot of 14, 15-hour days yeah. minimum. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will never forget the day where we finally got to a point with the New York staff that we said you can you can officially only work, I think it was nine hours a day, or either <laughs> nine or ten. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And uh, it was massive celebrations. Yeah. Just out, a huge outbreak yeah. in celebration. Yeah. Um, but it, it speaks to the team that they were willing to put up with it. You know, it's a, it just goes to show it's amazing what you can rally around a cause. You, you touched on something before that I think is interesting, and I, 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 I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I, I, I had a conversation about this recently about the sort of, um, you know, if you're, if you're born six feet tall and you can run fast, you've got a pretty clear career path in front That's of you. That's right. But yeah. for most of us, it's like, you know, like for me, like I've got, I have things that I do well, right. but trying to find the exact perfect job for you is almost for the vast majority of people there is almost impossible it's almost impossible and And you sound like somehow you happened into the sweet spot so this is this is why I stuck around and put up with so much because I felt I never sought out this line of employment this line of employment 10 years ago didn't even exist Yeah. yeah and when I fell into it I just did it because I thought well tech is a hobby I'm a pretty good storyteller. Maybe I can write about technology. And then when I fell into it, I absolutely fell in love with it. And that drove me and Tim to do whatever it took to save the vessel that allowed us to do that very thing. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, there were other vessels, but this is the one that started it all. And we felt a lot of loyalty to the people that were going to stick around and, and see it through. And like I said, we put so much affinity to the brand. And now looking back, I actually should have put more affinity to the, it was the people. Yeah. It was always the people. Yeah, and this is and, and and you know, and this is sort of the it's it's kind of the rooting for a sports team. Yes. Right? That's you right. know, like I'm I'm an A's fan, which is a really hard thing to be <laughs> right. because every single year it's a completely different team. That's right. It's brutal. And how did that I mean, you know, I I, I guess you have, you know, like sports wise, it's just it's it's geography, or it's what right. you know. I know that's right. Or it's whatever school you went to, something right. like that. Right. But what is an affinity to a website? Is it? I mean, you know, it, it's not a logo. It's it's an ideology, I suppose. It it's, is. It's sort of knowing why it and how it came to be. Yeah. I mean, we're we're getting pretty in the weeds. If you've never worked in news, you're. I mean, we probably lost you by this point. But if if you've ever worked in any organization that puts out anything creative, yeah. So. And that could go any direction, art, music, written words, anything like that. The creativity is special to that vessel. Mm -hmm. We had a style guide. We had certain things that were allowed, certain things that were disallowed, certain things that were smiled upon more than others. And if you add all that up, it was unique. The sum total of that was unique. You would not find that anywhere else. Every other publication would do it 
somewhat differently, maybe vastly differently, maybe just a little differently. But eight years in, seven years in, what we had cultivated in terms of the tenor and the style on the site was really just us. The people that cared about it the most put forth the effort to define that. And you can't just walk away from something that you've massively defined. I've I found that almost impossible to do. Yeah, they they, they call again, you know, to use, to use a sports analogy. Um, you know, in, in baseball, it's like it's it's the Cardinals' way. You know, yes, that's what they have. They actually have booklets right. that tell you. That's right. You know, it, the Yankees are the most obvious example. Sure. You don't. You can't grow facial hair. That's right. Your, your socks have to be a certain way. Right. Uh, and this is, you know, and this this is all. This is why I really want to talk about this because this is stuff I. I'm thinking about right now. Right now, yeah. As I'm trying to sort of uh, uh, cultivate that with with my my new group of people, and um, the hardest thing above all, and there's, it's been a really hard month, a good good but hard yeah. month, and the hardest thing of all, because it's so abstract, is telling people that I want you, I want us all to be to a point where somebody can walk up to you on a street on the street tell you about a news story and you'll know if that's a story if that's something you would write about that's right because right now I'm you know I'm like going through and taking out all like there's so much legacy stuff there's all this like celebrity gossip stuff and I'm pulling that out and for most people it's hard for me to explain to them why that doesn't make sense for us so that's I mean that's that, that's something I think that it ha- had been cultivated at adding. Well, it certainly had been cultivated at Gadget, it but it's but it's also something that has to evolve, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, it evolved probably to my detriment. Tim and I didn't evolve some of the topics that we covered fast enough. Yeah, because what's technology? You've got to be yeah. flexible. And, and it, I think for me personally, I was holding on to the ways of old because I, it felt like. If you ever let some of the fundamentals go, yeah. then you aren't standing up for anything. And I, I took that to a fault, probably. So I resisted a lot of change yeah. that, in hindsight, I probably should have been more willing to. But here's the thing. I saw, I saw some crazy number uh, for the traffic at, at Engadget where 75% of our traffic each day could be tracked back to the same people uh, that were there yesterday. Hmm. In other words, 75% of the traffic were They're repeat visitors, which is almost unheard of yeah. on the on the internet. That's exactly what um, you want. When, when you take a, a site like BuzzFeed, for example, they, they drive most of their traffic from uh, random social networks. And so one day, you'll have uh, 20 million people click over from Facebook. The next day, an entirely different 20 million yeah. people will click over. So it's a very, it's a nomadic audience. Uh, and of course, they have some loyal following, but not 75%, yeah. I would wager. And when I saw that 75%, it, it placed this burden of responsibility in my head that said, if we do anything to alienate 75% of the people that come here every day for something, mm-hmm. what, are we, what have we accomplished? Yeah. That, that concerned me. And so I basically conservatively did everything possible to not alienate that. Um, to a fault, probably. This is what I, this is what one of the things I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out because you know so when, when I I got there and this is the case with most sites at this point everything is so 
traffic based. I mean, it's Gawker, totally traffic, right? Yeah. <laughs> Gawker is is kind of the. Um, they're kind of the model for this, right? I mean, everybody yeah. is... You, you walk in... I don't know if this is still the case. This was for a while. I think Vice is kind of like this at this point, where you literally walk into the office and there's a board with traffic numbers. Yep. It's a big deal. And I'm... It's the only deal. And I... You know, and, and the way I'm trying to think about it now, and I'm being, a, again, a total idealist about it, um, but I, I almost feel like, you know, in the same way that, that we get really, like, touchy when somebody brings up sales stuff, marketing stuff... That's right church and state putting a wall between the two things i'm almost wondering if that, if that shouldn't be the case for traffic i'm wondering if like if best case scenarios that you can cultivate you could put a staff together where people are just trying to write the things that they would like to read and that's what i did this is what i've been doing this is this is like this is my big crazy revolution with the site is yeah. sitting down with all the writers and saying um in an ideal world what would you like to write about what makes you happy? You know, right. like what, right. what, what, what would make you want to keep working for the site? Right. What do you like to read about? And this, this is like the grand experiment, right? Oh, it's like, okay. can we build a site based around that? That would be amazing. Because a lot of what I've seen since then is what can we, what can we write about that will most certainly go viral yeah. regardless of how it paints us as a publication, this has never this has never not been the case. Though, and this, you know, well, at least That's like true. since the internet came came That's came true. around, and I'm sure, certainly, like yellow journalism was a thing for a long time. But um, you know, I, I won't mention the name of the place, but I, I remember sitting in editorial meetings at a site before where um, some big news piece would come through, unrelated to what we covered, and the meeting would just be about how can we hit this, how can we twist it. What can we do? And, and now the answer is, like, what like list? What sort of list of goal can we put together? Right. Right. Um, it's a conversation I keep I, I, I keep having over and over again. I, I literally keep saying is, is, is think beyond the listicle. Yeah. Because it's all, it, you have to, when we talk, I mean, this is such a, like a buzzwordy thing, but when you talk about adding value, yeah. just pulling together links and writing a list is not adding value to a no, story. No, it's not. It's not in my perspective. But, you know, here's the... Here's the question I have with that. Is this going to fall away as fast as it came on? So my, my yeah, question is... the BuzzFeed model. Yeah, my question is, are listicles a sustainable editorial model? And if they are not, what kind of damage will it do to the publications that wholesale buy into it? And it, it makes me... This is not exactly a parallel, but it makes me think back to Zynga who predicated yeah. their entire business model on sharing on Facebook. They're the Farmville company. Right. They did Farmville. And they, they gained users primarily by having people play Farmville and then share it to their friends, and then they yeah. would click over. They're interested. Overnight, Facebook changed the algorithm yeah. to not allow those, your friend are, is playing yeah. Farmville posts to show up everywhere, and they still haven't figured out. Like, that was their short-term play. That was their listicle, and their... They have nothing after that. There was no sustainability baked in as a plan B, and I have to wonder if if that's not going to happen. You, 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 yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you, you can sort of keep like backing up the, the the camera. You can keep you know pulling it back, and and if you look at, I mean, you know, BuzzFeed has managed to maintain. I think like you don't. When was the last time you saw like a, an upworthy story? 
Uh, oh, it's been a very long time. And that's time. because, I think, because they changed the algorithm. Right. And BuzzFeed's been fine because, you know, they've, uh, they have Facebook on their side. Right. But right. the question is, you know, and, and is if you are solely devoted to one ecosystem, right. so what happens when Facebook goes it away? Goes away. It's, you, if you build nothing for yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the reason why a lot of publications that are publishing to the Facebook instant are doing so with a lot of hesitancy. Yeah. Because if you effectively seed the platform, yeah. when the platform changes, yeah. you're entirely at the mercy yeah. of what they do. You don't own your own yeah. anything anymore. And that's it's so weird. And, and you know, have you have you seen this like have you seen people publishing on LinkedIn? It's the most bizarre yes, thing I've ever seen. Yes. It's like you're publishing on your resume. Yeah. It's the it's um Yeah. Which I I understand there are some there's some value in it if you are like a lifestyle coach or uh, a mentor or the the LinkedIn aligns with the content that you would talk about but if it's not about career coaching or job building it's still going up there and you're like um i mean people will publish stuff about sports up there it's like they'll just throw it on any platform yeah yeah yeah. it's yeah it's crazy um yeah as long as there's a promise of potentially people seeing it that's exactly right um yeah i mean i you know i'm 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 of two two minds of this and i would like to think that when if and when all of that falls away, that means people are going to return to quality content. Right. But I can't, I don't know. I'm, I'm also a complete pessimist about it because, you know, I, I don't see, I certainly don't see anybody's attention span getting longer. That's the problem. And I've, I've asked myself on occasion, is subscription-based the savior? So I look at sites like The Information, mm-hmm. and Ben Thompson has a site called Stratechery, and... Um, Jason Snell left Macworld and formed, um, started Six Colors. All of these are based on either subscription revenue or they have a single sponsor for the week that'll like let's say sponsor their RSS feed. When you say subscription revenue, you're talking about like newsletter or yeah, he does a newsletter okay. and a website. Yeah, and and the content is good enough that as enough people pay for it that it allows one or two or three or four people to live. It doesn't. It would yeah. not. It would never pay yeah. for like an yeah. entire organization, but it pays for small amounts of of people to survive on that. And it's it's just so crazy how much has changed in the ten years. Like I came on an engagement in '06, and selling CES to advertisers was well, we had bidding wars. To, to sell the week of CES mm-hmm. to advertisers because yeah. that's how coveted it was. And on the way out, uh, let's just say there weren't any bidding wars. Yeah. It was much, much, much tougher. The market was far more saturated. Advertisers just didn't see that as an alluring place to spend ad dollars anymore for whatever reason. And it's like, where does it go from now? You look at sites like the unofficial Apple weblog gone yeah. joystick gone giga ohm which harped on quality content yeah gone but the first two you're talking about aol sites true um but and, the, and now even recode yeah has been subsumed they the, said they said very specific they, they said you know they, they it was these two 
huge writers from the Wall Street Journal, like the two easily two of the biggest names sure. in technology writing. And <clears throat> when when the Vox thing happened, I, I, I don't remember. I think it was Kara. I, I can't remember who said it, but somebody came out and said, "We just realized that." There just there wasn't the market we thought there was for this. That's right. Yeah, I mean they were just super open about yeah. it. They said we thought we'd have a lot easier time yeah. making yeah. a lot more money. I mean that's what it boiled down to, and it's just not. It's just not that easy. And look, a lot of big papers have survived for years by subsidization from a, a billionaire or something mm-hmm. on top. Well, that's the. I mean, that, that goes way back. You know, that's the that's classic right. artist model, right? You know, right. all the jazz musicians had that. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the word, but a, yeah. a, a benefactor. Yes, that's right. Um, you know, for, just for like, enjoyed it. you know, for like uh, uh, Thelonious Monk, it was just some like rich white woman, totally, <laughs> who, totally, who had inherited money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, for it's a. Sh- <laughs> I want to see publishing succeed. Uh, I I still love writing. I don't get to do it as much, and definitely not in the same capacity. But it's. I want it to to succeed. It's just hard to see right now yeah. where the next, where it's going next. Well, it's the the, que- the question is always, and and this is this is something we've been asking ourselves forever: is is are are we moving towards one static thing, or is it just a constant process? Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the Apple News thing is that going to change everything? It's exactly. like every six months there's a new model. Yeah, and I don't know how many parallels could be drawn to music, but the music Plenty. industry is fundamentally a hundred percent different now. Yeah, um, the, just the whole concept of buying a physical album—you you have to go out of your way to do that. It is like the exception, not the rule. If you want to listen to music, it's internet first, stream first. And only in like special circumstances. Maybe you love a band and you pre-order an album that comes with a T-shirt, or yeah. or, or yeah. you're at a concert and it just feels good to support. Or if in you're a way. vinyl person, that's right. Yeah, but it's but it, just think about that. At this point, we're buying music for nostalgia yeah. and and our own creative interest, yeah. not because that's how the product is delivered Consumed, to us. Yeah. Right. Uh, it it's. It's crazy. And then you think about news and writing in general and storytelling. If you want it to be great, someone has to pay for it. Because if you stop paying people to do it, the people that deserve to be paid eventually won't do it. Well, or they'll do it as the hobby. So a, mus- a really good musician will have to have a day job yeah. and then do really good music as a hobby. But they'll never be able to give it their all. But here, here's the thing that, that's always been hard for me to reconcile is, um, you know, I, I consider myself to be a, a pretty good writer. But you are the, the, thank an you, amazing but, writer. But the thing that I've always had trouble with is this idea of like, you know, there's there's musicians, you know, and, and there's doctors. But it's like not everybody can pick up a guitar and play a song. That's right. But kind of everybody to some degree can write something. Yeah. So everybody right now is a writer is yeah. generating content yeah. people are writing that's a crazy thing maybe people are reading books less than ever yeah. but people are reading more than ever that's right and people are writing more than ever yeah so that you know even more it's even more fragmented and that dilutes the, dilutes the pool even more it does that everybody is able to do it it but, does I mean it's great I'm glad it's that accessible yeah. but when every single person has a tech blog it's yeah. problematic it- and the other issue that I've, I've seen, and I haven't confirmed this, but this is just from my own observation, there are more publications than ever, but to a large degree, they all 
cover and write about the same thing. Yeah. And the only time that changes is if there is a massive exclusive, let's say the Edward Snowden story, yeah. that would be different than any other article or yeah. uh, any other publication. But the smaller niche feature stories are becoming almost impossible to justify mm-hmm. and to some degree to finance. Yeah. That, Things that require travel and that bothers six me months because, to be embedded or right, something. And, because that's where the real stories are. If yeah. we just all write about the obvious news, the obvious needle movers, where, where's the creativity in that? And it's, it's tough. I mean, I don't have any answers on how to, how to justify spending a lot of money on covering those stories that you know won't generate tons of traffic, potentially. But they're just important to tell. They, they, they help the site stand for something. It's, that, it's so funny to, to take a step back and like, because we sound like, the, you know, the old guys now. Yeah, but, and, and if right. anything, like, we're a big part of the reason why things got to where they were. Indeed. Because we were doing things incredibly quick and incredibly cheap. Indeed. Um, the, the other side of this that I think is hopefully a little maybe more interesting to people who aren't super into it, but and this is the thing that I've been um, thinking about, again, with my, my, my new job and a conversation that I've been having a lot with our, our mutual friend and former co-worker, uh, Josh Frulinger, is um, is the, the idea of, the, um, of, of excitement, of um, we are so far removed at this point from whatever that initial excitement was that got us into the business. And, and, I, and that's certainly not specific to us. That's pretty far across the board, I think, with tech journalists in general. I right? would agree. I would agree. And we are far removed from it. It, it, be, it becomes a job. And, and you yeah. know, and, and uh, when I was leaving Engadget, my last CS, I gave a big speech about this. And this is a, 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 a conversation I've had a lot with my, my writers, which is, you know, take a second realize that at our site like you're writing about gadgets or you're writing about comic books or you're writing about video games and if you're not able to gather enough enthusiasm about that to be excited about your job every day then you might be in the wrong job absolutely it's it's a simple question to ask yourself that answers a lot yeah it because at its very core writing and i and i bake this into the engadget style guide from the get-go you need to understand that you're informing and entertaining if you look at a piece of work that you have created and it is neither informative nor entertaining it's not okay this is something i love that you had with style guide i you know and it's another thing again for obvious reasons that i've been thinking about a lot i don't remember the wording was but it's basically like congratulations strap yourself in yeah <laughs> it is it's like congrats. a rocket's about to take off that's right congrats you you found the best job yeah. in the world uh it will tear your hair out if you yeah. aren't moving at the same velocity as everything it's else. gonna tear your hair out either way either way either i mean way. who was i talk? i can't remember who i was talking to about it but when i first accepted the job you know who i was talking to um I think it might have been. I think it might have been Sasha Segan. Okay, you know Sasha. Yeah, PC Mag. Oh, my, my old PC Mag colleague. He's um, great. Not not that he's old, but my former PC Mag colleague. <laughs> this best you know, to clarify the old. I was just a sort of like this idea that like you 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 need to know that 
you're going to be completely exhausted. Oh, yeah. This is going to take all of your life forces. Yeah. So you need to be completely sure that you're going to have a good time doing yeah. it. You have to know you're going to love it because it, it does show, it show through. Uh, if, yeah. if the morale is down, the passion isn't there, it's just one less joke in the post leads to a lackadaisical opener, leads to sloppy usage of whatever words yeah. it may be. You know, a month later, you look at your writing and it's uninspired. And you got to think, if it's uninspiring to me or my staff, it's most certainly uninspiring yeah. to stra- perfect strangers yeah. who have a lot of free alternatives yeah. to exactly what I'm giving them. And are there because they are enthusiastic That's and right. because they love it. Right. So they're coming in and expecting yeah. the person on the other end of this post to be just as enthusiastic, if not more so, because they're getting paid to cover... The same stuff that this person is so passionate about that they're showing up eager to consume information about is, it. Is that part of why you, you left not only Engadget but just kind of that world is because you just like were at a point where you weren't – where you you were disconnected from that? Yeah. So at the end of my run, it ain't almost – it was about seven and a half years mm-hmm. at Engadget. At the end of that run, um, I, I had reached some degree of burnout. Yeah. Most you were just like floating somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mentally, I was I was extremely burnt out, and physically, uh, just exhausted. And most of it, I attribute to the, the probably the last year. Every day felt like jumping headfirst into the ocean, mm. and not in a the, good way. And the tidal waves, yeah. never stopped. And you can throw punches at ocean waves for a very long time, yeah. but the ocean always wins. And that's really what it felt like. It's like this storm will not subside it will not and you can only fight things like that for so long and try a few different solutions here and there before it starts to wear on you and in a creative job you can't hide it it comes through in whatever work you're producing if if you are at a burnout stage your work will sound like or read like burnout and that's where i'd gotten and so after i left engadget i took a deep breath and i said i said here's the thing i know i'm really good at writing or at least i think i'm good at writing and i'm definitely good at being passionate about it i feel like this is where i need to be but if ever i was going to do anything in my career not grinding the news 24 hours a day yeah this is a pretty natural point to see if anything else out there floats my boat. <laughs> and so I had a few opportunities to essentially change uniforms and keep playing the same game. Mm-hmm. And uh, extremely humbled and blessed to have had that and was very close to going that route because I felt like, well, maybe a change of scenery will be sure. just what I need to rejuvenate yeah. everything that, that I've been doing. Um, but then a, a job offer came along. So, so currently I work in the PR industry for a company called Weber Shanwick. And the, the, the reason the offer was interesting was they said, we don't want you to do PR. We want you to come in and consult with these tech companies that need, they need the, the insights and mm. the viewpoint of somebody that has lived on the other side of a review for eight You're like years. a spy. Pretty much. And I said, well, I went to school for business, and I liked I like businessy type things. And this, to some degree, still sounds like storytelling. It's just me being able to tell engineers and designers that work on products 
this is the story your current prototype is telling me. If you do this, this, and this, this will be the story that resonates. And to me, I thought, that sounds like a pretty interesting line of employment. Let me give it a go for three months. Freelance, no strings attached. If it's the worst thing ever, I'll go write somewhere. And that's what I did. And I, I did it for three months. And what I found was more, I, I got my health and sanity back to a large degree. And that to me was the most important thing. When at, at the tail end of Engadget, I was, I was pretty downtrodden, pretty depressed. Um, it, it, I just wasn't myself. I couldn't be happy-go-lucky. I couldn't enjoy the time. Which, which for people who don't know you is... Oh, it's, it's the default. Weird, yeah. Right, right, right. And, um, and it just struck me as, as so strange. And for the longest time, I told myself, it's not the job. It's not the work. It's, it's got to be something else. Yeah. But then I said, well, let me test this for three months to see if it was the environment that was indeed toxifying me to that degree. And it, it pretty much all faded away after, after that transition. And for whatever it's worth, to me, that acted as confirmation. It's like... That, that break needed to happen. Yeah. And I'll tell you straight up, I still, one of the saddest days was the first major Apple event. Yep. yep. After I left Engadget, yep. when I did not get an invitation yep. for the first time in years, it, it, it depressed me the whole yep. day. It was heartbreaking. Yep. Because that's where you get an, well, I guess I say you, anyone that has done that and loves it gets an adrenaline rush from being able to be in an environment like that. Yeah. That is unlike anything else. Unlike anything else. If you're into sports, imagine if you got to cover Game 7 of the World Series from the dugout. I mean, this is as good as it gets if you're into it. And nothing I have found outside of that has replicated it. And so, still, I miss that. That high, I've yet to find... It's interesting. I've yet to find anything else that does it. And so, I say all that... You're straight edge, right? Yes, I this, am. This was that was this was your drug. That was it. Yeah, that was it. Going and reporting at, to, in my view, exceptionally large events, important events, monumental events. Listen, I got to live blog. I was one of maybe twenty media invited to sit feet away from Steve Jobs' last keynote. Yeah, and I have the badge from that. I don't know if I'll ever do anything per, on a personal level that fulfilling. Because it, say whatever you will about thought, though it is. Yeah, it is. But it gives me something to strive for. It's like I know how good that was. And look, they call that chasing the dragon in in drug terms. But no, I I say all of that. It's like it's a lot of reminiscing about really good and amazing times. Uh, And it's it's just proof that I love writing and will do anything I can to write. On some level, I've tried. I've tried everything I can to write in my current role and have had some degree of success. But uh, that's that's a lot of why I wrote this book because I said I can't write 15 posts a day uh, anymore yeah. on topics that I love. And if I don't press the buttons on this keyboard, I'm going to go crazy. So I said, let me focus this energy into something productive. I'm going to bang out a book on on the 10 insane years and maybe it'll be useful to some people if not it's a permanent archive in my life it's a beautiful object you can put on your shelf that's right it's a it's a nice object it's nice to to take to the beach and flip through but uh, honestly a lot of it 
my urge to write is why is why that happened. I just didn't have time to write a book like that while I was at Engadget. I mean, that was that, that, that's a lot of what I was going through in, in the past year as a freelancer. I mean, part of it was you know the, I mean, the pretty immediate realization that I was just not cut out to be a freelancer. Yeah, because you know, a thing that a job like that gives you is that your mind is always working on something. Right. So I had a lot more free time, downtime to think about how. To sort to reminisce and to to you know to um, you know I I, I I just had all those moments where where I, I just thought over you know obviously in hindsight you, you tend to think about the good things that happened yes you do um, it's a protection mechanism and, and you tell yourself that um, maybe the worst bullshit that you went through was worth putting up with that's right. And maybe you took everything for granted. That's right. And that, for me, was a completely deadly combination of, yeah. you know, of, of like, again, like doing fine financially and having work, not really being invested in the vast majority of stuff that I was doing. And a lot of that's because, you know, it's, it's easier to be invested if you're working for a single entity. That's right. When you're part of building that team versus right. being just a hired gun. Right. Um, but, yeah, just having that downtime yeah. to think about where I had been. Yeah. Um, but you're happy. You're happy. You're happy. To oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked. I, um, Did you have that? Cause like th- this is, this is the, the thing that, that writers, you know, that I guess journalists maybe don't really realize is, um, there's a notion that you're going over to the dark side. If you're going sure. over to sales or yeah. marketing or PR. Yeah. 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 You know, I dealt with that much, much less than I thought. Yeah. It, w- it has not been nearly as bad as I thought, mostly because the role I was able to carve out and was honestly blessed enough to carve out is, is mostly working on a consultative level, more on product design and strategy and less on creating press releases, for lack of a better word, that, yeah. are, that are more or less algorithmic and machine-driven. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to... I had to have a people aspect of this. If I yeah. wasn't interacting with people and making a difference in people's lives and making their inventions better and canvassing their story more accurately, then I didn't really want to do it. And that's largely what I've been able to do. And it's been, it's been great. The people I've met have been amazing. Uh, it's, it's amazing to, to look behind the scenes at what I wrote on for eight years. Mm-hmm. That alone is still novel. Yeah. 18 months into yeah. it, it's still yeah. fascinating. Sure. It's still incredible to see. Honestly, as a writer, you, I underestimated vastly sure. the amount of work sure. that goes into what, you, what looks like the simplest yeah. things. The amount of engineering, the amount of thought, the amount of... The, the amount of people, the eyes yes. it has, the desks it has to the cross. The amount of man hours yeah. that are put into the, just the most subtle things yeah. is un, unbelievable. Yeah. And it's been great to put faces to that. Where we just looked at a gadget. Now I see a gadget as hundreds and thousands of man hours that just poured everything they had into this product. It's, a, it's amazing. It is, it's amazing. And I've been lucky enough to work with some companies that have people like that that really do care about the stuff that they're building and of course not every company uh, has that in mind but it's uh, when you find that it's it's cool to work with do i miss writing yeah i miss writing well, i miss covering live events more yeah. than anything the the, the sort of the, the, the blessing and the and and the curse of of where i am is that i i 
I don't think that I can ever take a job that isn't that doesn't involve writing and it doesn't yeah. involve editorial. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's the it, there, there's good and bad to that, right? There is. I know. I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I actually mentioned this in the book that if you've ever worked in a job, of course I use writing because that's the one I. Yeah. Uh, that's what you that, do. Yeah, that's what I do. But anything that's that's remote or on your own terms, if you ever get into that. It, like what it would take to get you out of it, to pay you to not do that, is just astronomical. Like yeah. you almost can't even think about it. And the same thing for if you find something that you're passionate about, and in our case it's editorial, I did, I did not want to do a job that wasn't involved in some way yeah. in editorial. And what I do now is very different editorial. Most of what I write stays behind closed walls. It's internal documents that help people build strategies and make decisions and all of that. Less public-facing. But I'm still able to communicate with the written word, and it's amazing when it works. I mean, you're, you know, you're, uh, this is probably kind of a silly question because you're, you're a young man still. But, I mean, do, do you feel at all like you've found what you're going to be doing for a while? Or you, 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 I know you very well. You're a restless person. You are. I am. You travel I am. the world. I mean, I that's, that's your nature. I am. I, I do. I think I've found the segment that I'll work Interesting. in forever. Being public relations. Not necessarily public relations, but editorial. Can I say that? Okay. I don't know in what capacity yeah. I will work in editorial forever. Mm-hmm. But I can't – I guess in the, if you're looking at it from a college perspective, people get communications degrees. Yeah. So communications could involve journalism classes and public relations classes and marketing classes. That really – like all of that is my, where I want to be. Okay. So as long as I'm in that sphere, I think I'm happy. Yeah. And it, so far, it's proven true. Because I've, I've been in two major careers, one at Engadget and now where I'm at in PR – and love both of them because editorial is at the heart of yeah. it. If I woke up one day and it was like, you have to input things in a spreadsheet. You can't accomplish things with your words. I would be very sad. Is it, you know this again? This is your, your your third book, and obviously writing a book is a very very different experience than writing it on a daily blog. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I mean, what, what, is, what is, is, is Hemingway? Is that your dream life? You know, it's just writing books and tra- traveling the world. So here's the thing. Writing books, much like producing a record, is not a great financial decision <laughs> unless you're yeah. able to get into the Billboard Top 40 or New York Times Top 100 yeah. bestsellers. Um, it, for what, for better or worse, the cream of the crop makes everything, and then everything under that, it's really hard to build a life. But this on. is, but it, but you know, this is this is funny that you 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 framed it like that because this is again like a, a conversation that I've been having with some of my writers, which is, um, you know, again when I sit down and ask them, what would you like to write about? The, the response I got from a lot of them was, well, this is what does well. Oh, and I said, right, well, you, right, you right. have to divorce those two things. That's I'm, right. I'm asking you a very different question. That's which right. is, what do you want to be doing? You know, and the, I think when I started at Engadget, one of the things that I loved about the site, and through the end that I was there, we maintained this. Early on, we were told as writers to not concern ourselves with traffic first yeah. and foremost. We were told, only write about stories that does something to your soul. Yeah. If you see a story and it's either hilarious 
or very impactful. It stirs you in some way, and it resonates with you. That's the story you write. Under no circumstances do you think, will this yeah. be popular yeah. on any other metric? Yeah. The only metric is, if you're proven to be good enough to write for this site, then I trust that instinct. That's what you go with. That must have been an unsuccessful model, though, right? Yeah, it, it has not... Yeah, to some degree. It is not trending upwards. Let's yeah. say that. Uh, I think, if, you, <laughs> I think if, if that mantra were still the case where nothing was covered that did not personally stir the soul of the writer, yeah. traffic would continue to trend down, which is depressing to some degree, to a great degree. But, you know, I have to say, I think this is why BuzzFeed and BuzzFeed News work in the way that they do and I could be very wrong on this but it feels like to me the BuzzFeed news team and the honestly incredible work they do I would bet it is in some part subsidized by crazy listicles top 40 things oh, you never yeah, knew no, your that's, dog that, could do that's 100% the case and so that's 100% I'm, the case I'm trying to think Huffington Post we were, kind of worked you know in tandem that's with Huffington right. Post and so say you know somebody over there won a, a Pulitzer I, I think we were over there yeah but that's subsidized by a million Kim Kardashian. Absolutely, yeah, that's a model. It's totally that. And I'm trying to think, is that, should I be upset about that mm. or happy about that? Yeah. Because I could actually see it two different ways. You could argue, if it's you're not serious. It's ideal. It's not ideal. That much is for yeah. sure. But I, I guess I'll say this. If it was between BuzzFeed only doing listicles. Yeah. Or them doing listicles to subsidize incredibly important news. I'll take the latter. I don't... It's not an ideal situation. But I'd rather them have some of their staff working on really important issues than for them to say, we're not going to invest in it at all because it will never generate the same amount of revenue that a list will. So... Act as a consultant for me for this 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 place I'm in in, in my life right now. Sure. Since I have you on the microphone, sure. It's it's like a it's like you're testifying before Congress. Oh my gosh! Um, again, getting back to this 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 idea that I had had this conversation I was having with our, our friend Josh. Yeah. Um, the way I framed it to him and it made a lot of sense to him was, you know, he's he was one of the very early Engadget guys. He was. He predated you, right? He did. Yeah. He went way back. Yeah. And what I said to him was, you know, remember. Remember your first CES with Engadget? Remember when it was like, maybe like you, Peter, Ryan, Barb, like, maybe? Maybe. Maybe five total. Yeah. yeah. Remember what that experience was like going to the biggest consumer electronics show with a small staff of people and trying, trying to conquer it. And conquering it. Yeah. And so my question is, in 2015, halfway through 2015... When the excuse me, the landscape has completely changed. Um, there are a lot of really huge sites out there, and like I said earlier, there's this remove between the writers and what they're covering and yeah. that excitement level. Um, what do I do as a team leader, as somebody who wants to not only run a successful site but run a site that I want to read? How do we connect those dots again? How do we get? writers excited about things they should 
really be excited about yeah. exciting things. I mean, you're wearing an Apple Watch, and we were talking about our iPhones earlier, yeah. and these are things that interest us. Yeah. How do you bring that excitement back? So much of it I've found is when it comes to being excited or passionate about something, it can be taught, but only if you've got the foundational yeah. elements of it. Yeah. And so I can take someone that is incredibly... Taught is probably not the right word. No, it's not taught. It's, it's, it's like it uncovered. Can be, or the, the fire can be stoked. Yeah, kindled. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So if you find someone that knows they're passionate about it, but has no real direction on how to make good on that, that's better, in my view, than having someone very experienced, but very mm. deadpan, yeah. jaded, sort of been there, done that. They view it only as a job. But technically speaking, it's they're incredible. Yeah. On paper, they're absolutely incredible. Uh, I this is why we spent so long at Engadget on the edit process with new writers because we would rather have people that just love talking about technology mm-hmm. and then teach them the technical aspects mm. versus taking a technical writer and trying to inject humor into their personality. Well, I don't, here's, you know, and it, this is the thing I noticed, you know, and, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, is that there tend to be two. People approach from two different places. There's people who are like passionate about technology, can't really write, learn to write. Right. And in my case, it was somebody who like wants to be a writer and kind of picks up the technology along the way. Right. Which is the better of those two, ultimately? I think it largely depends on what state your publication is in. Yeah. If you are at a stable enough place that you can spend time cultivating new, very raw and green talent, yeah, that's that's where I would go. Yeah, and so if you want to if you want to draw the parallel to sports again, if you have an organization with a fan base willing to wait six to eight years Rebuild for it. a championship, yes, yeah. then what what will happen is in that farm system you will build intense loyalty. You look back at some of the teams that stayed together for four and five years and won multiple championships and where they came from. Yeah. A lot of times they kind of grew up in the same culture. And I think that's true in editorial. If you can get people to grow up in a similar culture, it's better than having people come in with their own egos and agendas already. They feel like they've already arrived to some degree, and then you just have to work to get them to play together. So it's, it, that's, it's really interesting you say that, and this is another conversation I've had with somebody I won't mention their name but um, I had never contextualized this before but uh, you know you, you start a site like you know you start a tech site and your ideal is oh we'll grow it we'll become a gadget right. or, or right. CNET or right. like whoever it is right. um, and the realization and he basically said this and, and it made a lot of sense to me it's like what's so this is going to sound so ridiculous. What's so bad about striving for the middle? Yeah. Of being a mid-sized, yes. successful focus? Because maybe that's a problem. Maybe there's a certain threshold where you can't get past right. without completely diluting the pool. Right. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, you know, it's, I don't know if it's the American culture mentality uh, where second place is the first loser. Yeah. It's like a no fear shirt. Yeah. It's totally like a no fear shirt. It uh, it drives me absolutely bonkers. Um, there's there's actually a, so- a large large software company in North Carolina, SAS. They build statistical analytical software, which is incredibly nerdy and yeah. very uninteresting to most people. But the thing that's interesting about their story to me is that they're a billion dollars plus in revenue every year, and decades into the business, 
they will not go public. They will not be acquired. Yeah. They have remained private simply because they don't want to feel pressured to always grow at yeah. a predetermined rate at all costs. In, a, in it, an out burger? Yes. We, we yes. had um, – uh, we, we did an, a music episode of the Ang Ad show and we went to Amoeba which I'm sure you've been yes, to yes. which is the greatest record store in the it world is, it is. and we spoke wow, this is crazy revelation with the owner so there's uh, three Amoeba stores right now right. there's Los Angeles uh, Berkeley San Francisco right. and he said something and I like almost fell over he said oh yeah we were thinking about we, we found a space in New York we were going to do it and that was like you know it would have been a right. life changer for me for sure and it wasn't rent. It wasn't the record industry's dying. He said that the reason why they didn't open up a store in New York was because he wants all the stores close enough that he can visit them all in a single day. Yeah. Yeah. That's and it's crazy. Like, yeah. It, the, the, the money and the numbers don't – if they don't play a part in the priority of things, then what you get are these amazing products that are about something else. And if being if being look, comfortable in life is enough, that's right. That's yeah. right. And it's like if you can find that, that's what you want to invest in. Because in this guy's case, he's like, you know what, X amount is good enough. Yeah. It just is. I can happily pay all of the employees here. Yeah. We're all happy. We're not stressed out. We're not stretched across the country. It's enough. Yeah. It's enough. He knew and everybody's it, name at the store. Yeah. Everybody's name. And I cannot figure out why the quote "It's enough." isn't permeated further. It, why, this, this drives me wild when I look back and I think about the Apple earnings that I had to cover. Uh, it's like, at what point are enough iPhones enough? It's like, what, what analogy can we come up? Like, what, what, what's, what country can we compare Apple to? Oh, we ran out of countries. Yeah. Nobody has the same revenue as yeah. Apple at this it's, point. And, and, you know, it's, the crazy thing to me is, you can bank on it, there will come a quarter where they don't grow iPhones. Yeah. And it will be Armageddon on Wall Street. Mm. Why? Yeah. It's enough. They've sold enough. Yeah. It's enough. Maybe some people there should get a vacation for a year. It's, it's enough. And, of course, that's easy for me to say I don't own their stock. But that mentality, if the it's enough mentality would be more pervasive... I honestly think we would be so much happier as a whole. And, like, this is getting really grandiose, but... Yeah. Uh, look, my, my wife is a wedding photographer. She is a one-person wedding photographer that hires a second shooter for each of her weddings. She has gotten to a point where she'll get two wedding requests on the same day. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the thought becomes, well... Yeah. If we expand your business and we hire someone else to shoot on your behalf, which this is how this is how photography businesses grow. This sure. happens. This is, that's how all businesses. This is grow. how all businesses grow. We could hire a first employee mm-hmm. and uh, teach them the ways, let them shoot under your name. It would it would be amazing. And then we could say yes to both of these weddings. But let's think about what comes with that. Yeah. Now you have to manage a person. Now there's benefits to consider. What if this person gets sick on the wedding day and you're already committed to another wedding? What if you line up weddings on a time where you want to be on vacation? What if there's a wedding that someone is shooting at and they have a flat tire on the way? All of these things you have to consider. And so, yeah. yes, there is additional revenue to be made. But you know what? It's enough. You're missing. I think you're even missing the biggest piece of that specific example, which is once you get to a point where you're managing three or four people – 
you don't get to go shoot the weddings. That's anymore. right. You've completely lost all of the, the reason why you got into the whole it. reason why you got into it. That's right. Yeah, you think about a, a bakery. If you if if there's a baker and they make cakes for weddings themselves, they pour everything they have into designing this cake, and it gets to the point where okay, we're going to expand the business because we have so many orders. By the third or fourth time, person you hire, all you're doing is overseeing the baking of three or four yeah. cakes, which maybe that's what people want to do, but you can't ever go back. Like, because what are you going to do with the employees that you hired? You have to. Yeah. He- you have to be there to help. I. You know, this is another. This is like Brian. What Brian worked through his struggles. The, the interview, but yeah, that's um, but this is another another thing um, that I've thought about for a really long time because you know I sort of realized early on. At all these publications that I was working for, I kind of looked around. I'm like, where are the older? Where are the grown-ups? Oh, right. And I'm lucky in that I like managing teams. I like, right. you know, I like building things and sort of being behind the scenes. Right. So I'm able to sort of transition sure. to kind of a more managerial role. Sure. But it, the question is, you know, like I, this is going to sound horrible, but I was at an event earlier today, and I saw some older tech writers. I'm like grizzled right veteran veterans yeah yeah people who very clearly were in and probably still are in in print media and probably were unable to and will be unable to make the transition to digital sure and this is the thing that i have so much trouble with it's just like will anybody nobody nobody can do this forever nobody can be a tech journalist forever and certainly nobody can be a tech blogger forever yeah where do those people go PR, some of them, some of them managerial, but yeah, you got to believe that some of them just go in entirely different directions. I wonder this about bands that I really like. Yeah, when eventually they just decide to hang it up for one reason or another, I try to keep track of where some of them go, and some of them end up in the most random of places. Yeah, I mean, just no, completely unrelated yeah. to music. Some of them go on and be producers. Work some for of them, record labels. Some of them, and, yeah. right? Some of them work for record labels. Some of them open up record shops. But some of them just go somewhere else, yeah. completely unrelated to music, and music just becomes a hobby. You know, D- Duff McKagan from the uh, from Guns N' Roses just got his MBA. Really? He went back to college and got his MBA. That is amazing. Yeah. but that's actually. But I, I say that like it's a bad thing, but that's actually a hopeful story, which is like he's representing yeah. people. Yeah, like he's a good guy. Yeah, and that's what you're trying to be. That's is, right. right. Is that's you're right. like that's right trying to be an ally. Right. I gotta say though. You might not be able to, to write as a tech blogger forever, yeah. but at least where we worked, the skills you learn sure. are unbelievably applicable to, look, think about anything in life where revenue is generated. Yeah. On some level, communication has to occur. Whether it's internally, you have to get something done, we have to agree on something. Whether it's external, you have to convince people of something, you have to inform people of something. If you can communicate better than the average bear, that's going to be good for you. And that's where I, I, I see if you have a background in writing and storytelling and just thinking of ways to distill information down in ways that people will listen to, that's applicable almost anywhere. But, but the, the, funny, the funny thing about it, and this is why you know, I, I, I'd taken a, a job after Engadget and uh, it wasn't a good fit for me, and part of the reason why it wasn't a good fit for me is because I was running on all cylinders and kept running on all cylinders. And there are some places that, like, you know, they've got their sort of 
kind of lazy ways, and they don't want that. They don't want somebody coming in and you know revving it up. Yeah, yeah. People don't want to be revved up, and and you know, and the skills are great, but you still have to find the the culture fit. Culture, yeah. You totally do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> there are places for it, uh, I, especially now that I'm paying attention to this type of thing. There are a lot of startups doing really exciting things, and one of the things they struggle with is. Everybody that works for our company is super excited and completely understands what we're doing. But does anyone outside of the company understand yeah. what we're doing? And yeah. so a lot of companies are, are forming these positions internally. It's like, okay, just show up to our office, observe what we do, and be the person that can take a breather and talk to other people about what we're doing. Yeah. And like maybe that's, maybe that's considered PR. Maybe that's considered communications. Uh, but if you're excited about what it is... It, it almost doesn't really matter. Uh, a few years ago, Tesla Motors hired Hamish McKenzie mm. from Pando Daily. Mm-hmm. They just plucked a, a great writer. He was just a writer about startups. Yeah. And they said, you know what? This guy's got the credentials we need. Let's just bring – he loves Tesla. Let's just put this guy in our atmosphere and let him write. Because we're too busy building yeah. the next unbelievably insanely complicated yeah. car – to even get that out, so let's just bring someone in that's already passionate about it, already has the skills, and let them run wild. I keep going back to baseball, but but sabermetrics, right? Is you know like we'll hire fans, statisticians, yeah, yeah, yeah. for the front office, right. and they'll completely change the game of baseball. Totally. So is that is that sort of I'm I'm hitting the book. Uh, yeah. Is that <laughs> I mean is that the big takeaway you know when i when i go home and read this book finish it is is the lesson going to be like how to build your job around you to some degree i think here's here's what i think you can learn from the book yeah if you don't currently work in a remote role like you you commute into the same office every single day and you and you don't find purpose there that's a key because look when i watch sports center they commute into Bristol every day, get on set every day, put on makeup every day, but they're passionate about it. Well, you work, you know, you worked with us, and for me, it's like, and that was the thing I realized: I, I, I couldn't freelance because right. I need to go. I need to go in. Right. I'm just better right. working out of an right. office. But if you're in a situation yeah. where you're not passionate about it, but you need to stay in that role, this book gives you advice on how to talk to your manager into moving away from the office into an environment where you can be happier. And it's amazing because. So-so jobs can become amazing jobs if you change the atmosphere around you. Mm. So that's part one. But part two is if you're not happy with the job, this gives you, I hope, some some freedom and ability to think outside of the constructs yeah. of, well, let's just apply for something on Monster and wherever they tell me to go, I'll go. There's Look, the internet exists. You might as well take advantage of yeah. it. and. And I did. I mean, I grew up in rural North Carolina, worked an office job for half a year, was lucky enough to find a job that location didn't matter. And I've paid close attention to what about that I loved Mm. and what I did to make it possible for me to continue doing that. And that's what I talk about. So if you have any interest in, in removing a daily commute or making your job more fulfilling and more rewarding, read it. And I, and I hope that's, that's what people will get out of it. And it just it's I hope it serves as encouragement to to stop putting off some things like whether it's family yeah. or travel or your your own personal health. So these things are so frequently talked about in America as things I'll get to. But I, I've lived long enough now to know that some people never do. 
and you need to get on it yeah. because no one is going to build your bucket list for you. They just aren't. And if you don't start taking things like that seriously, it, it's like time passes really fast. And the thing that I've found even more amazing is that if you take stuff like that seriously, if you're passionate even to your colleagues about these are the things that I'm doing, I am achieving health or I am achieving uh, a new level of enjoyment with my family or I am achieving this goal of seeing this many places while also being dedicated to work, very few people hate you for it. They're like, you know what? I'm going to get on that. Because what the conventional wisdom would tell you, people would be quick to yeah. judge you on it and say, oh, I could never do that, so I hope it fails for you. But in fact, most humans are, are pretty sympathetic to that, and they can relate to that. They're like, you know what? I, I, could, I could do something too. I can be better than what I've created for myself. And what, what excuse do I have? If you've maintained any level of success, then you can take it further. So anyway... It's, it's a book about hope. It's a book about some crazy stories in the tech blogging world. It's a book about pivoting your career to make it more fulfilling and, and more hopefully flexible. Uh, and it's good for managers too. I wrote, I wrote specifically in there, I know, I know managers that have built entirely remote organizations because when they put out a job posting and it says, can work from anywhere, you literally get the world's best talent. To apply. I'm not talking about a region's best talent or a city's best talent, the world's best talent. And I look at sites like Automatic, uh, the folks behind WordPress, purely, purely virtual. Mm-hmm. Like they run billions of words every single day and it's purely virtual. I look at the wire cutter, Brian Lamb runs that thing from Honolulu. And he's like, we're not going to do an office, man. People, we're going to hire the people that want to do this from anywhere and are passionate about it and they're going to give it 110% because... They can do it from anywhere. Yeah. It's I, I think it's it's fundamental fundamental different way of thinking about work. And the more people that hear about it and see it, recognize that it can work, even if they don't move out of it, I think they'll be a little bit more they won't take work so seriously. Like stop stop taking work so seriously. Work hard but live harder. You know? That's 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 my message. There he goes, my former Engadget colleague, world championship record-holding blogger, and uh, all-around wonderful human being, Darren Murph. If you like the conversation, highly recommend checking out his book, Living the Remote Dream. You can find that at fineramazon.coms everywhere. Uh, I am I'm, I'm pretty close to, to forcing all of my colleagues to, to pick up a copy of this book. Really, really fantastic guide to productivity and, and working from home and, and living in the digital age and all of those sorts of things. Uh, you can also find that at his website, darrenmurph.com. Uh, also, if you like that conversation... Uh, you should go back, listen to one of one of the earlier episodes of the podcast with uh, with Mr. Tim Stevens. Uh, it's really offers offer some really uh, kind of fascinating insight into what it was like working for for Engadget during during those heady days. Um, I hadn't seen I did the same thing with both both of these poor guys. I hadn't seen either of them in, in a while. Darren, I actually hadn't seen it. God, probably since like two CESs ago. 
so, you know, he's coming into town, and I said, hey, you know, let's get some tea, and then I'm going to stick a microphone in your face and force you to be on my podcast. So, so thanks so much to him for taking the time to do that. Thanks to Brian, as always, for editing the show together. Uh, thanks to everybody at the Boing Boing Podcast Network. If you like the show, there are many other fine podcasts you can check out over on iTunes. And while you're over at iTunes, you should take the time to, to rate the show. It's been It's been a while. Just you know, just a little, little free love. Just a little, little just that's all. Just uh, just give us a couple stars over there. Uh, you can also send some feedback through uh, through we've got a, a Gmail account. It's rolcast at gmail.com. Paid good money for that. Uh, follow us, on, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr. It's rolcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place get all of your R-I-Y-L related information. Uh, Lots and lots of good shows coming up, so stick around. We'll be back just about this time next week with another episode of R-I-Y-L. 